You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today we're going to continue on our little journey of reanalyzing the Packers 2019 opponents, this time with the Kansas City Chiefs. But we're going to do it post-draft. In other words, finally uh, sort of analyze the teams as they are for the last time up until we actually go head-to-head with them. I've actually been really excited about this one for kind of a long time, um, just kind of... I have to go through my progressions because that's just how I am mentally. I would lose it if I had to skip anything or just dance around. But I've been waiting and waiting to get to the Chiefs because it's it's kind of, and I feel like that's how it's going to be in the season. We'll have to see how the wins and losses go. But if things go even moderately successfully, this is going to be a pretty good litmus test. Now that's, we'll have to see. Maybe the Chiefs are garbage. I, I don't know. But if things go at least kind of as I expect, this is going to be sort of the buildup. You know, you know that, those that movie those movies the action movies where it's like he's looking across the battlefield or whatever like you know the main good guy and he's looking at the main bad guy and he's trying to get over to him and there's other like lesser bad guys coming over like i'm gonna get you and he just like makes short work of him and just pummels him into the ground or whatever he does to him it depends on which movie we're talking about and he's just making his way over there i feel like this is sort of the build-up moment when he finally gets to that bad guy the only movie that comes to mind right now is The Patriot with Mel Gibson. When he's like trying to get over to that guy that killed his son. Like some other British guy comes over like, oh, I'm going to get him. And he stabs him in the stomach like, get out of my face. That would be the Raiders. So now we're finally here and this is sort of the proving ground. Because nobody cares about the Packers when they beat the Lions. Nobody cares when we beat the, the Chiefs. And if we kind of split, let's say, with the Bears and the Vikings, I think for the most part, teams people are going to look like, oh, it looks like the Packers are kind of back on track. But I don't think they're going to be an upper echelon team because they're not the new cool hip thing. They're not the Chiefs. They're not the Rams. There's probably going to be some other teams that are kind of coming up. You know, if we if we happen to lose to the Bears, then the Bears are going to be above us. If we happen to lose to the Vikings, people will put the Vikings above us. You know, maybe the Jaguars will be back with Foles winning a couple. You know, whatever. But if the Packers beat the Chiefs, suddenly everything comes to a screeching halt and all, all eyes are on Green Bay. That's sort of the oh-no moment for the rest of the league. Because this sleeping giant that everybody assumes is just dormant and, and on its way dying just took down the Chiefs. So I, I just... In my mind, this is a big game, and, and for the reasons I said, too, with the schedule being the way that it is. This is when things get hard. This is when the Packers are supposed to start losing, right? We stacked up all our wins. Now we're supposed to lose to the Chiefs. Chargers on the road, we'll see. Probably beat Carolina, but then we have a bye, and we're on the road, and we're on the road, and then we're home, but one of those games is the Bears, and then we go back on the road for two more. It's just a brutal situation. Granted, our two road games after the buyer of the 49ers and the Giants, but still, it's not a super favorable schedule. But if the Aaron Rodgers-led Green Bay Packers are ahead of the Chiefs in Kansas City, primetime Sunday night football, which, by the way, be sure to check out the Packernet schedule. I don't think Packernet is known for their schedule, but we should be, because if there was a better one, I would go to it, because I need good resources to have. 
and all I get is frustrated with how dumb all the other schedules are. So yeah, maybe it's the best by default, because the other ones are terrible, but it's still a very good schedule. Sunday, October 27th, at Kansas City Chiefs, 7.20 p.m. on NBC. Burn. But it should be a good one. Anyways, before we get into it, be sure to check out the description for everything that you need to know. Not so much about this show, but all the little extras that I'm telling you right now. Got some Packernet swag, considering the time of year and how hot it's getting. And by the way, I am not going to survive Florida. I was a gigantic baby last night because it was 76 degrees. Granted, 76 with like 156% humidity. Ridiculous. But um, driving headfirst into 90 degree weather, I I just, I don't know how this is going to go. Maybe I'll sit in the SeaWorld parking lot in the air conditioning and just watch the roller coasters from afar. Whee! But anyways, maybe get you a t-shirt and a koozie. I will be in Florida for 10 days. I have packed four Packernet shirts and two Packers shirts. So I'm pretty much only going to be wearing Packers and uh, Packernet shirts and a few other select elite shirts. By elite, I just mean really light and comfortable. No idea what they say or what's on them. Or even, I, they could be pink. I didn't even notice. I don't care. Uh, if you'd like to take the survey for the podcast... If you got a couple minutes on your hand, uh, yeah, on your, on your hands or any any part of your body that has a minute would be, uh, if they could do the survey, that'd be great. If you're able to support the channel, it would be greatly appreciated. As I'm sure you have noticed, a lot, a lot, a lot of work has gone into this. You'd be hard pressed to find even a website, much less a podcast, that puts in the cumulative amount of work that this podcast does. If and you wanted to support the uh, the podcast, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can help support the channel for as little as a dollar a month. If you bump it up to five bucks a month or more, that's when you get access to all the other little projects that I'm working on, uh, such as the podcast that I did yesterday. I did figure out that little Excel thing that I was talking about, so I do in fact have, and I will put it up, I I better, because this is my last chance. Um, And what it's going to be is every single pick from 1 to 256, over the last 10 years, how many starts... How many Pro Bowls? How many All-Pros? I've also got a huge... So it's basically a very tall, very, you know, long column Excel spreadsheet. And then to the right of that is a bunch of graphs to kind of, you know, illustrate it a little bit. So anyways, that kind of stuff is... Well, actually, that kind of stuff is why I have a podcast. Because I just love doing that kind of stuff. And this gives me an opportunity to talk about it. So it's not just me doing it and being like, look, any, no, okay, nobody, everybody just, okay. There's actually people here that want to listen. It's fantastic. Anyways, if you're not into Patreon, uh, I also do have PayPal and Venmo. Otherwise, if you're planning on getting a PFF subscription, as I've said, please use the uh, the promo code. It'll give you 15% off. And I believe they throw, ta- I don't even know. Maybe they stopped this a long time ago, but I did click on the link and it still gives you the 15% off. So... At least it's good for you, I guess. Otherwise, be sure to get into the Facebook group. Check out nflbigboard.com. And if you have any questions, please call 608 Questions or comments on the Green Bay Packers season thus far or anything else Packers-related, 608-501-0718. Oh, hold on, cough. Who made it to the pause button. All right, let's take a break and talk about the Chiefs. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view 
on all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so starting off, the uh, 2018 Kansas City Chiefs, obviously everybody understands, was a pretty good football team, but good in sort of a 2011 Packers sense. Unstoppable offense, kind of trash defense. That is to say, number one in points, number one in yards, 24th in, in points defensively, 31st in yards defensively. As I mentioned to a friend of mine the other day, this team is not going to win anything until they figure out this defense. They went 12-4 and four last year, and I, I did say you need either a quarterback or a defense, you know, ideally both. But I don't know how super possible it is to have even the best quarterback in the NFL if you have a terrible defense. You have to have at least a serviceable defense. I don't know if that means top 10, top 15, whatever, but you can't be bottom five. I don't know if there's ever been, I, I, don't, I don't remember. I, I did the whole spreadsheet of, of that as well. I don't remember any bottom five defenses winning a Super Bowl. But anyways, they did take steps to try to rectify their defense by firing their defensive coordinator. Bob Sutton is out. Steve Spagnolo is in. Um, it's always hard to gauge these things. I think for myself and most fans, you look at a coach and all you're looking at is their track record, which kind of makes sense. But the rest of the NFL doesn't seem to operate that way because I look at Steve Spagnolo and I go, oh, you're, you're not super good at this. Now, he, he has had success in the past, but I... I you know, several weeks, months ago, I alluded to the, the one example, I think, of the Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator who's basically had nothing but a terrible track record every single place he's been. I don't know if he's ever even been a defensive coordinator. He's been, you know, this kind of coach, this kind of coach. It's always been really, really, really terrible everywhere he's gone. The Ravens, for some reason, decide to hire this guy. He comes in and he just makes this defense awesome. It was either the, uh, the Ravens or the Colts. I don't remember which one. But it just worked, and it apparently was a great hire. So Spagnolo's had some success. He's had some failings. But it's going to be a switch from a 3-4 defense to a 4-3 defense. Um, you know, heavy blitz. Actually similar, I mean, it, similar to, in a sense to what Dom Capers did, and I guess to an extent um, Mike Patton, even though we're talking about more primarily base 3-4 teams or defensive coordinators. But apparently his emphasis is smaller, kind of smaller defense. He likes to use a lot of defensive ends, even along the defensive line. Kind of like the NASCAR package that uh, that uh, Dom used to have, where it was all outside linebackers along the defensive front. But anyways, getting him Frank Clark was obviously very pivotal. Like I've said before, whenever you get a new defensive coordinator, or even an offensive coordinator, you want to get him that one pivotal piece, and I think Frank Clark was that one piece that he really, really wanted and needed. So it'll be interesting, but at the end of the day, I think your, your defense is only going to go so far as your players. I mean, a coach can do a lot, but you can't make terrible players into a great defense. That's just impossible. As far as signings and departures, I don't want to go through every single one exhaustively like I have in the past because I don't think it matters all that much. But some of the more, uh, you know, the bigger things, uh, the trades, they traded away D Ford, got a 2020 second round pick. 
They traded safety Eric Murray to the Cleveland Browns for defensive end Emmanuel Agba. Again, another defensive end. Frank Clark from the Seattle Seahawks for a first, third, and then a 2022nd, getting back a 2019 third. And then just very recently, um, with all the chaos going on with the Jets, the uh, Chiefs very wisely are... Anytime you see chaos, I think it's very important as a GM to get on the phone and just start asking questions because they're primed to do something dumb. Now, I'm not saying this is necessarily a dumb thing, but the Chiefs are obviously trying to poach somebody. They went out and got Darren Lee, gave up a 2026th round pick, which I actually think was a pretty solid pickup. This is a team that has just abysmal linebackers, and Darren Lee, as terrible as he was his first two years, he kind of took a relatively big jump. Still wouldn't say he's a good linebacker, but, you know, young guy that, you know, showed a little bit of promise the last, it's sort of what the Packers did, right? He had a peak. Let's just see what he can do. I mean, we, we got to do something at linebacker here, uh, especially with this 4-3 team. He's more of a fast, I think he's like a 4-4-2 guy, better in coverage than just about anything else. So he's just going to come in and be the weak side linebacker and at that be probably by far the best linebacker they have. Uh, players that were cut outright, uh, some other pretty big names, Justin Houston, uh, just I think it was just more of a, well, it was, it was price tag, but also scheme fit. Obviously, they're not afraid to spend money, uh, but he doesn't want outside linebackers, especially 31, 32-year-old, however old he is. Uh, they cut safety Eric Berry, and of the other guys that matter, Sammy Coates, wide receiver. Not super relevant because he's not very good, but um, could become a bit of a depth issue. Plus, he's more of a special teamer, and that's just kind of a loss on special teams, which seems like it doesn't matter. But it's always one of those things that we say doesn't matter until you don't have it, and then you realize how much it matters. As far as free agent pickups, um, one of the real big ones, E.J. Manuel, you know, because he retired. <laughs> I mean, obviously it doesn't matter. They've got a, a line of backup quarterbacks a mile long. But at the end of the day, it's no different than the Packers. If Pat Mahomes goes down, the team's done. Right? Kyle Shermer, Chad Henney, these guys are not going to carry this team. This is the Pat Mahomes show, bottom line. And yes, that means if the Chiefs have lost Pat Mahomes for any reason when the Packers go there, unless Aaron Rodgers is... Man, would that be just the craziest? <laughs> Not that I necessarily want to think about it, but imagine this game if Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes are both injured. be like Mike Tyson and Muhammad Ali getting into a boxing match with their arms tied behind their back. I mean, they're, they're both big and scary, but kind of just standing there. Maybe Tyson's got enough power to, to knock a dude out with his shoulder. I don't know. It'd be interesting and, and sad and, and pathetic. Um, in the absence of Eric Berry, they went out and got Tyran Matthew. Excuse me, Tyron Matthew. I know I was told by a listener that that's not how you say it, but I looked it up, and they say it's, you're supposed to say it like Byron, but it's with a T. That's what Google says, so his name is now Tyron. Tyron Matthew. I believe his last name is pronounced Matthew. I don't know. I mean, it is, but it's spelled weird, so you never know. Um, I haven't been the biggest Tyron Matthew guy ever, but it's just a simple situation. I mean, it, if a different team were to assign him, it would have been kind of meh. But for the Chiefs, massive upgrade. Just, <laughs> I mean, with the exception of their defensive front, including their defensive line, defensive ends, uh, Tyron Matthew comes in and is one of the best defensive players out there. From cornerbacks, linebackers, and safeties, he's about as good as it gets. Uh, they picked up another linebacker in Damian Wilson. He's garbage. He's not going to do anything. They got Alex Okafor, another defensive end. Again, this guy loves defensive ends. Okafor isn't great, but it seems to be almost the Packers' strategy where you get the good, not great, and you get a lot of them, and you get them to run after the quarterback, and somebody's going to get home. Uh, they did pick up Bashad Breland. I wasn't the biggest Bashad Breland fan. I absolutely knew that there was some potential there, but I never really got behind the whole, you know, some Packer fans felt like he was just basically an elite cornerback, 
and we should just pay the man to keep him here. And it, it, he just he never played like one. So I mean, if we're gonna pay him like five hundred thousand again, I guess okay. But I'm not giving this guy any kind of millions of dollars. But it's a situation where if he goes to the Chiefs and he's just a lockdown corner, then you know Packers fans are gonna be very very upset with Brian Gutekunst, et cetera, et cetera. But clearly, I mean, the NFL is not valuing this guy very high. Um, he did sign a, I guess, one-year, $2 million contract with the Chiefs. And $2 million isn't nothing, but if the guy was really good, $2 million, I mean, give me a break. Especially for a team as desperate as the Chiefs. I, I just, I would be really surprised if he had some kind of breakout awesome season. The NFL just doesn't want this guy. Otherwise, that's about it. You know, Blake Bell at tight end obviously is not going to do anything because Travis Kelsey's there. So those are sort of the notable names as far as uh, coming and going. Um, In the draft, in the second round, they went out because they didn't have a first-round pick. They had two second-round picks, two late second-round picks. But uh, they got Mikko Hardman, wide receiver out of Georgia. I'm assuming he's going to be in the slot. I'm not really sure now with Hill. Presumably, I'm assuming he's going to be out of the NFL. And, um, you know, there's already talk about, oh, Mikko Hardman is the perfect replacement for Hill. You know, he's going to do all this. No, he's not. Tyreek Hill was, I don't know, man. I think he was primed to be very, very, very historically well-known, especially with Pat Mahomes as his quarterback, man. I, I mean, he's, I think he was in line to be one of those, you know, Chad Ochocinco types that just everybody remembers for a very long time. I won't go so far as to say Randy Moss, but you know what I'm talking about. T.O., right? Maybe Randy Moss, man. I, I, I don't know. Guy was incredible. And understand, when I say that this team is not going to be as good, that's part of it. I understand Pat Mahomes is incredible. But I think we really, really underestimate how much Tyreek Hill made this offense go. What he was able to do, and I'm talking about at all levels of the field. You give that man the ball behind the line of scrimmage, he's going to make magic happen. You get this guy on a crossing route, he's going to take that 30, 40 yards. You take him deep, he's going to beat everybody deep. He had insane speed. I mean, just just picture, and maybe I'm being overly dramatic, and I, I don't mean to, but just to give you the picture, imagine the 1990-ish you know, San Francisco 49ers with Joe Montana and Jerry Rice, and Jerry Rice just got kicked off the team, and nobody wants to talk about how the 49, 49ers might take a step back. Like, I know you got Joe Montana. Dude's a freak. Probably the best quarterback in the NFL. I don't know. Well, it's hard to say. Real, 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 real good. But dude, you just lost Jerry Rice. So any article you're reading or any kind of craziness talking about Miko Hardman, who is the late second-round pick, is going to come in and be the next Tyreek Hill. It's going to be incredible. He's going to replace him. He's going to do everything. No. Even if he doesn't bust and is a good wide receiver, this is not Tyreek Hill. And I complete, I don't even know why it wasn't on the list, but I completely left out Kareem Hunt also. Kareem Hunt maybe isn't exactly on the Tariq Hill and Pat Mahomes level as far as how pivotal they were to this team, but he's like Aaron Jones good. He's, he's to, to, to put it in terms that Packers fans can understand, they lost, trying to think of a good year, because if you go back too far, we, we, we can afford to lose a wide receiver. It's no big deal. But I don't know. It's a fictional team, and Aaron Rodgers, well, no, it's not. We can do this year. We lost Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. That's what Aaron Rodgers just lost. How's our offense doing? Anyways, getting back to the draft, I just, I don't know, I, I saw people talking about, oh, it's a, it's a perfect replacement. Well, depends what you mean by that. If you mean you're looking for somebody with a similar skill set to do similar things, maybe it was the perfect pick, but perfect qualitatively, not even close quantitatively. In other words, we're talking about the same category, nowhere near the same level. Anyways, beyond that, they went out and got Juan Thornhill at safety, which is a little weird because I thought he was a strong safety. 
and with Tyron Matthew, that doesn't make sense, so presumably they're going to put him at free safety, and I do expect him to start. I think the Chiefs should expect him to start, because Jordan Lucas, who they currently have listed, is not a very good safety. I don't know. Beyond that, Kalen Saunders, defensive tackle, he's not probably going to be playing with Derek Nadi, and of course, Chris Jones, who is one of the best defensive linemen, and as I said, they use sometimes defensive ends along the defensive line. Chris Jones is probably not coming off the field any more than he absolutely has to, so again, the the odds that uh, Mr. Kalen Saunders is any more than a rotational guy getting 400 snaps this year, pretty unlikely. Um, Rashad Fenton, Darwin Thompson, running back, and uh, Nick Allegretti, guard out of Illinois. So some of you might know Darwin Thompson. We were going through running backs. Obviously, the guy's got a shot because of their running back situation. Um, but I think uh, Damian Williams is probably going to be the main guy, and he'll probably be all right. Anyways, take one more quick little break, and then we'll just do kind of a Packers versus Chiefs kind of, 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 kind of. How many times can I say kind of in a sentence? Bye. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, so for starters, we'll do the fun one first. As far as our offense and their defense goes, man oh man. I mean, you know, again, they've got talent and it's all along their defensive front. Depending on what kind of a contribution they can get from Alex Okafor, the fact that they have Frank Clark, who's a pretty impressive guy, I think maybe a little bit overhyped, but pretty impressive guy. And the other reason, and and listen, he's impressive in what he's supposed to be impressive as, and that's as a pass rusher. He's sitting at 14% for his uh, pass rush percentage. That's very high. He had 69 total pressures on only 489 uh, pass rush attempts. 14 total sacks, 15 hits, and 40 hurries. However, he had an abysmal tackling grade. An average, I mean, looking over his his career, but also this last year, average to below average uh, run defense ability. And if he's ever asked to drop into coverage, he just can't do it. It's not a thing he can do. So it's actually similar to D. They they basically went out and got the 4-3 version of D. Ford. Right, 26-ish years old, real good pass rusher, kind of just mediocre at everything else. But when you couple that with Chris Jones, who's also getting about 14%, which is just insane. Again, one of the best um, defensive tackles in the NFL. Now, this is his primarily his ability to get after the passer also. He also actually had a terrible tackling grade, which is very surprising, but he's had it for three years straight. His best year was his rookie year when he was graded as basically average. The last two years, 35.4, 32.3. He had seven missed tackles this past year. That's on 19 total tackles. So... Somewhere between one in every three or four tackles, he's going to miss one. That's kind of ridiculous, especially for a defensive tackle. And his run defense is spotty, sometimes great, sometimes not so great. But again, as a pass rusher, which is why Spagnolo's going to love this guy, he's solid. Everybody else I'm not worried about, but, but there's two guys that are good enough that it gets to be scary. The problem for the Chiefs is, so what? If the Packers decide to run the ball, who's going to stop them? Not to say that you know, these guys can't have success at times, but Frank Clark, as good as he is at stopping the, or excuse me, as a pass rusher, he's mediocre as a run stopper. So he's no different than anybody else. If we can't run against Frank Clark, we just can't run the ball. Emmanuel Ogba, Alex Okafor, even uh, Chris Jones here is just kind of standard defensive tackle against the run. So factor in the terrible linebackers and Tyron Matthew, who's 
fairly good at stuff but not great, there's not much you can do about that. And I would expect the uh, head coach who loves to run the football to say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to run a lot and tire out this defensive front. Especially, as I've said several times, you get this outside zone thing going, and what does that mean for everybody else or along this defensive line? You have to run. Like, Jones loves nothing more than to run right at him. Don't make me have to move. Just run at me so I can reach my arm out and wrap around you. If you're running to outside the tackle, Jones has got to cover like 15 yards, and he's not even going to be the one making the play. He's too slow, but he's got to try. Beyond that, I mean, it's just it's whatever we want to do. Right, if the if the pass rush is just getting there, and this offensive line, which is a decent offensive line, just can't stop it for whatever reason, Jones and Clark are just absolutely like, absolutely terrorizing this team. Fine, then get the ball out quicker. Kendall Fuller and Bashad Breland are their their corners. Now, maybe you like Bashad Breland. That's fine. How much you like in Bashad Breland matched up against Devontae Adams? Ain't gonna happen. I'm not sure Bashad Breland can match up against Geronimo Allison, to be completely honest. And I am not the biggest Geronimo Allison fan. Hoping he has a breakout year and all, but, you know, whatever. Point is, they just don't have much. Depending on, you know, maybe if Juan Thornhill can can do something, they've at least got a couple of decent safeties. But I think Jace Sternberger, and yes, I'm just going to go ahead and say Jace is going to be the receiving tight end. I hate to do that to Jimmy Graham, man. I just, you know, I don't know. Either way, they don't have anybody that's going to be able to cover them. And, and as I've said several times, if, if that means they have to bring their strong safety down to be able to cover, that just makes it easy for a guy like Marquez to be able to get behind these guys. They don't have the corners. They don't have the linebackers. They don't have the safeties. This this is, again, you know, and it could be a better defense. I don't know. Because let's not forget, last year they had one of the worst defenses in the NFL, and they had maybe two of the top pass rushers. I'm talking best outside linebacker pass rushers and Chris Jones getting 14%. So they had three of the best pass rushers in the NFL on their defensive line. Now they have two because they got rid of Houston and Ford and replaced him with Clark. So their defensive front might have actually gotten worse. And they also had Eric Berry and, you know, so I, I just, I don't think this is even a better defense. The Packers should be able to rack up a ton of points. That's really just the bottom line here. If we can't, that's problematic. Now I know it gets a little bit noisy there and the Packers aren't accustomed to noise, because Packer fans love going to the games and, um, I don't know, watching quietly. I don't want to keep ragging on it, but that really does bother me. The only reason I don't want to keep ragging on it is because now it's a popular thing and I just hate jumping on bandwagons. But that that is... It's an obligation, man. You got 31 fan bases around the NFL that know how to cheer. The Green Bay Packers, supposedly one of the best fan bases in the NFL. Oh, we're so proud of it. Look at how proud we are. Everybody talks about how the... how. And then you go to a game and it's like going to church. Baby starts crying. Everyone just whips around and looks at you. Shh. I'm trying to watch the game. I actually had that happen, but it was during the national anthem. So it's amazing how much a screaming child's voice projects in a large area like that when it's very quiet. Which, to be honest, the difference between the national anthem and when the Packers score a touchdown, not that different. I shouldn't say that. I think there's a lot of cheers when the Packers score a touchdown. Let's call it third and ten, and our defense is on the field. Then it's about as quiet as the national anthem. I'm serious, man. If you're one of those people, you got to stop it. And I understand there's there's a problem with the way our tickets work, and I'd never considered that before, but the, the way that that, you know, especially with the tickets being able to be handed down and everything else... Look, I'm very sorry. If you're an elderly person and you don't like to stand up and scream, first of all, that's your problem and not mine. No disrespect. Sorry about your hip. But let's not be selfish and think that the rest of the stadium needs to accommodate 
your physical inabilities. That's not how life works. It's like going to a rock concert and, and making an announcement beforehand. Hey, can everybody please sit? Because I'm in a wheelchair, and if you stand, I can't see. So we can we have these, like, 20,000 people just sit? That'd be great. Thank you very much. No, dude, that's not how this works. People stand at football games. That's what they do. If you don't want to go there and stand up, you should stay home and sit on your couch and watch TV. That's what I do. I don't want to go to football games. So I don't. It's too much work. It's too much driving. It's too much money. It's too much stress. And I can't see anything. It's too far away. I like the crystal clear television with replay. If you like taking naps at halftime, please stay out on your couch. Give your season tickets to your 22-year-old grandson who just is loud and crazy. The belligerent one who hasn't got off his mom's couch and doesn't have a job. Give him the tickets. At least he'll be able to contribute to society in one way or another by helping the Packers win. Sorry, what are we talking about now? I wasted a lot of time and i got to go to work soon. Let's uh, let's flip it around here. Because this is where it gets interesting. How about that for a segue? There wasn't one exactly. You got it. Thank you for following along. Alright, so... Once again, the offense essentially is is thusly. The offensive line is okay. It's pretty similar to, and I'm, I'm saying, I've said this several times, so I think this is kind of the, the, the way it goes. Teams want their right tackle, their left tackle, and their center. Because there's a lot of teams that I've said, oh, it's just kind of like the Packers. They've got a left tackle, they got a center, they got a right tackle, and their guards are trash. Or maybe guards just aren't good in the I mean, you'd think they'd have to be somewhere. If there's the same number of good tackles and good guards, where are all the good guards? Does one team have like 17 good guards? doesn't make sense mathematically, but anyways, we gotta, we got to push on here. ADD needs to just cool it right now. Get your own podcast. Of the group, though, I don't know that any of these guys are necessarily elite. Mitchell Schwartz had a really good year last year, who's their right tackle, but it was a little bit of an anomaly kind of a year, and he's been in the league long enough to where, you know, it's not like his third year, and it's like, oh, maybe he's just really good now. He's, he's been in the league five, six years. So in other words, you kind of expect the regression of the mean kind of thing. Usually people don't figure it out in year seven. So, decent enough offensive line, but again, with the the structure of our defensive front, you expect somebody to win some of the time. And another one of the benefits is, you don't get to double-team anybody of significance. I mean, you 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 can have a running back stay in and chip somebody if you want, but who? Rashawn Gary? I mean, if you want. I don't know what you're going to do about Zadarius, or Clark, or Daniels, or, you know, Preston. But, you know, it's kind of crazy because... And I'm, I'm not trying to be hard because I, I like the guys we have, but there's nobody we have that's like so freakishly good that they, they require that you have two people block them. So it's almost like a waste of resources, but at the same time, every single one of these guys along our defensive front can win one-on-one. It's very, very weird. I don't know that I've seen another defense that's anything quite like this. Mate, what up, dance party? What you doing? Only got the one going. What's going on here, Journey? Journey just bailed on me, man. My journey alarm, what's going on? That's devastating. Maybe something like the Eagles or the Jaguars where they just have defensive guys everywhere. But anyways, I like our odds here. Assuming the guys we have are healthy. And again, I'm not asking for anybody to take like a massive crazy leap. I'm not just being a fan like, oh, but what if they're crazy on? No, just do what you did last year. We'll be all right. If Kenny Clark can just do what he did last year, I'm not asking him to even take another step. If Mike Daniels can just be the guy he was even last year, and I know he wasn't as good as, as we usually expect, but again, his pressure percentage was really high. It might have been the highest of anybody along the entire defense. I think it was, actually. If Preston and Zadarius can basically be the same guys they were last year, the only one that we might need to expect a little bit more from is Rashawn Gary, because the production wasn't super there, and I'm not going to, for the 17th time, talk about him and his production. 
So I, I'm going to say advantage Packers. And again, this is this is the hard part. This is the part where it's like, oh shoot, their offense is on the field. And again, I'm I'm not trying to super downplay it. I'm just I think it's weird. Nobody's talking about the fact that the Chiefs could massively fall off. I mean, we're we're talking about a quarterback who was really good in one year, which again we've done this before. Deshaun Watson was the new hot young awesome crazy thing. Great, you know, when he got hurt, it was the worst, most devastating thing that's ever happened because this guy is just the craziest thing that's ever happened. The next year, even though, as I said, he kind of got better, nobody cares anymore. He's not throwing 65 billion touchdowns, so we don't care. You know, 19 touchdowns in seven games or whatever it is he had on track for like 46. He ended the season in like the 20s or something, something normal. Yeah, we don't care about him anymore. Pat Mahomes is going into his second year. I mean, his you know second year as a starter. Is he going to fall off? Is he going to be as good now that defensive coordinators have got an entire year to figure out how to stop Pat Mahomes? Now that he lost his running back, now that he lost his his star wide receiver, he still got Travis Kelsey, but so what? I mean, Carson Wentz was like the 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 new young crazy going to be the best quarterback in the league in five years guy for a long time, and he's got Wentz, and now it's just like nobody even cares about Carson Wentz anymore. Not that he's bad, he's just like a guy. He's a top, I don't know, is he top 10 anymore? Top 10-ish? I'm just saying, everything about the Chiefs is just this massive assumption, and I'm looking at a team that's actually kind of bad. Their defense is is horrible. Their offensive line is mediocre. Their wide receivers, after losing Hill, are mediocre. They've got, you know, maybe the best tight end in the NFL. That's awesome. But you're telling me Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are going to be enough to just blow through the uh, the playoffs and get into a Super Bowl? That's that's all you need, man. Oh man, we really messed up not taking Noah Fant. Should have just—I mean, we should have got Fant and Sternberger because apparently all you need is a, a quarterback and a tight end. I'm just not seeing it, man. I mean, it's Sammy Watkins is there and that's cool, but I mean, he's not that good. He had a good year in 2015. He's been a kind of mediocre guy, and this is with Pat Mahomes as his quarterback. He didn't really get any better. He's—he's he's, you know he's good. He's kind of I trying to think of like a comp i mean i don't even know if he's as good as alshon jeffrey but he's kind of like that like he's he's a good enough to maybe be like a number one but like a very low tier number one which again is another eagles reference so it's kind of becoming an eagles team but just you know nowhere near as good because your defense is trash so yeah the the chiefs are the eagles minus the defense in other words they're uh, gonna struggle to make the playoffs you know what if I wanted to, I could make some crazy predictions here. We're going to be playing the AFC West. So we're going to see all these teams. We already played the Raiders. We played the Broncos. We got the Chargers next week. I'm, I'm really... I might need a little bit more time to think about this. I don't know if the Chiefs win their division. I, I think the Chargers aren't as good as they were, but the Chargers' defense is way better. The Chargers have better wide receivers. The Chargers still have a good quarterback. The Chargers still have Melvin Gordon. The Chargers might... The Chiefs could be third in that division. The Broncos don't have that good of a quarterback, but their defense is solid. And they've got a manageable enough quarterback that he can distribute the ball to the guys that they have. And they've got some weapons. They've got a great running back. They've got some good wide receivers. Maybe I won't put money down that they're third, but not winning the division, I don't think it's that crazy. Now, getting into the playoffs probably isn't going to be that hard because it's the AFC and the AFC is trash. right? The Bills, the Dolphins, the Jets, the Ravens after losing their entire defense, the Bengals who are not good... Um, you know, the, the, maybe the Jaguars, the Titans aren't going to do anything. The Raiders, I mean, it's just a, it's a garbage competition. Isn't going to be super high. So even if they don't win, they should be able to get a wild card spot. 
and I'm not going to go so crazy as to say they missed the playoffs. Although if you're, <laughs> if you're third in the division, it's going to be tough. Not impossible, but tough to, uh, I don't know, man. I'll, I'll call it a crazy enough prediction that they are not going to win the AFC West, which is crazy enough because the Chargers aren't that great and neither are the Broncos. But if, if everything I'm saying is true, I just, I don't see what they're going to be able to do. And if they do really step up, then I, you know, props to Pat Mahomes for being just insane. And they do have decent enough talent. But anyways, I again, ADD is just, he's, he's got this whole podcast. So say hi to the folks, ADD. But he, he, here's the bottom line. I don't think their wide receivers can match up against our corners. That's even with me saying, I, I don't really know what our corners are going to be. But we're talking Sammy Watkins is the top guy. They do have a pretty good running back in Damian Williams-ish, right? Is he somebody I'm scared of with our defensive front? No, it's not. Because again, these aren't just pass rushers that can't do anything else. These guys are solid against the run. They're disruptors. They're, you know, walking hand grenades, as I said. They're just blowing up the offensive line. And then with Savage and Amos and Martinez and Burks, who I think has a real good shot at, at growing. I listened to uh, Blake Martinez's uh, interview on, um, why can't I think of his name, the P60 podcast. If you didn't listen to that, you should go check it out. Um, it j- just because it kind of gave some different insights into what it actually was going on. And he was pretty upfront about Blake Martinez. Essentially, his first couple years in the league, he was kind of just winging it, more or less. I mean, it was, it was more like he knew his job and, and he just wanted to do his job. But even kind of being upfront about, which I think is weird, I didn't know this, but apparently despite guys like Mike Daniels saying we're super pumped about Mike Patton, a lot of the guys on the defense really didn't buy in. It just a lot of the stuff just didn't make sense, and calls were being or plays were being called, and the players are just kind of like, "What is? What is? This is weird. Why are we doing this?" But it started to make sense as the season went on. Supposedly, I don't know. I mean, if they lied about uh, how great it was going to be last year, maybe they're lying this year. Like, well, you know, now we got it. Now we're real excited. But it is good to hear. And, and he he specifically asked about Oren Burks, and essentially what he said about Burks is, I mean, and, and we saw it. As much as I say he didn't have a good year, and he didn't, we all saw right out of the gate how explosive and how fast and and how he just flows, and it looked real good. It just it never materialized. And he said he just thinks it was you know par- probably partially the mental part of it, and also just the jitters. He was nervous. I you know thinking is a big part of this. And as several football players have said in in several different contexts. When you get to the point where you don't have to think and you can just play, that's when it really clicks. And Oren Burks, now granted, this is the same thing I was saying about Josh Jones for a long time. There's no guarantee it's going to click. That's the question mark with Burks. But if it does, he's going to be a very good linebacker. And, and you know, the lack of, of adding linebacker talent and on top of cutting Jake Ryan tells me that they believe Burks is going to be the guy. Although, again, same situation with Josh Jones. Right? I said we should have got Derwin James. Or, I'm, I'm sorry, I said... I don't want to say we shouldn't get Derwin James. I just said it didn't make sense because we just invested a second-round pick the year before in Josh Jones, and this is going to erase that pick. I'm not saying the Packers necessarily passed on Derwin because of that, but it may have factored in a little bit. At this point in time, granted, Jair's a great pick and all, plus we got Savage out of the deal. But I I just, you know, if there was any thought that we don't want Derwin James because we already have Josh Jones, that was a flawed thought from the start. Not because anyone thought Josh Jones was going to be as good, but at least if he can meet his potential, it'll be good enough that we don't need Derwin James. Doesn't seem to be materializing that way. Now it's it's his third year. We'll see what happens. But anyway, I, I just every time I do this, I, I feel like I like our defense more, and I just the fact that I feel comfortable with it. Again, I'm I'm uh, being completely honest. I don't really see too many people on here that are just elite football players outside of maybe Kenny Clark. But I don't see the same defense I've been looking at for two, three, four, five, however many years. 
which is a defense that just goes, oh no, right? Our corners are just garbage. Our linebackers, our defensive, this, that, the other safeties. There's always something that's just horrible. I don't know that the Packers are horrible anywhere. We, we might have average corners, but I mean, okay. We might only have one decent linebacker and that's it, but okay. Maybe our safeties aren't super elite, but they're still good. I just feel like it's a defense that at worst has some good players and some average players, which is an elite defense as far as Packers defenses are concerned. Because usually it's, it's the other way around where it's like you got one or two really good guys and everyone else is just straight trash. So anyways, I am way over. I got to get flying here. But I, 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 I've been saying it for a while and now that I look at it, I, I don't see how we lose to the Chiefs. It's not impossible. They still have Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and, and they've got other pieces that they can work with. But this is not the 2018 Chiefs. And even if it was the 2018 Chiefs, this is a, a, a team that's going to rack up a bunch of points, and then you have to rack up a bunch of points too. And it becomes how many points can we keep it down, right? How much can our defense kind of keep the points a little bit lower? In other words, instead of scoring 45 points, we keep it down to like 28 if possible, like best case scenario. And then hopefully our offense against this terrible defense can put up, you know, more than 28. It's still a doable thing, but I'm saying their offense just isn't that good anymore. And, and again, if, if they can do it, then it's I was to some degree wrong about uh, Hunt and Hill and their contribution to this offense because it becomes Mahomes slash Andy Reid. And I don't want to downplay any of those things, but I, I also just think it's crazy that we're just going to assume that everything's going to be the same. But we'll see. I mean, if the Chiefs are, are even close to as, as bad as I made them sound, the buildup isn't going to be all that exciting because everyone's just going to expect the Packers to win. And if the buildup is kind of large, like I said in the beginning, then the Chiefs probably aren't as bad as I thought, and this is going to be a tough game. But anyways, I'm calling this one a win. I think I'm, I'm maybe a little bit more afraid of the Bears, the Vikings, maybe even the Eagles, again, possibly the Broncos, Cowboys. I mean, I, all of these teams are a little bit more scary because they're very balanced. right? Even the Lions, to an extent, as silly as that sounds... The Lions have a lot of talent on offense. We know the Lions on occasion can rack up a bunch of points. Add in the fact that the Lions have a better defense than the Chiefs. Dallas Cowboys. You know, whatever you think of them, it's in Dallas. They've got receiving talent. They've got a good enough wide receiver or a good enough quarterback. They've got a good offensive line, a good running back, and a really good defense. Eagles. We know they have a good enough offense. Great defense. Broncos. Enough talent on offense. Great defense. Vikings. Defense. Bears. They all have good defenses and capable offenses. Chiefs have an abysmal defense and two really good weapons on offense, Kelsey and Mahomes. Again, sounds crazy, but I just I don't know what I'm missing here. Again, it's it's like peak Aaron Rodgers minus Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. Anyways, I'm done. I'm out of here. I got to go. You folks, enjoy your Friday. I will speak with you tomorrow morning. Have a good one, and bye-bye. <laughs>